BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Oh, this is trouble. Clem Ballin about to join us. This is nothing but trouble. Clem, put the mic on mute for a moment. We're going to do our introduction. Clem Ballinoff, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I tracked him down. He's going to join us real soon. In fact, folks, if you could just see what I'm saying, I had to take a picture of this. Clem Ballinoff's room has got all the post Jonathan Jackson. Yes. He, he supported Jonathan Jackson for Congress. Clem's no fool. Got it, Clem. Thank you. All right, Darren all Bailey, right. anything you'd like to say about our guests? I like your suits. Okay, they're not—they're wearing shirts. <laughs> Darren Bailey, come on. That was not a compliment when you said that about JB, all right? You're sticking a needle in. We all know it. Stop pretending you're nice when you're not being nice, not, all right? Not wearing suits. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday. November 2nd is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. Every now and again, what kind of pot to smoke. It's legal in this state. And so much more, including (laughs) columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Eddie Haskell Wednesday, and here's why. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I two guests are waiting to come on, are old enough to know who Eddie Haskell is, but I'll just tell it for you younger people out there. I've made the reference before, but you may have forgotten. Eddie Haskell was a character in Leave it to Beaver, a sitcom that was very popular in the 1960s, and this was the quintessential two-faced kid. Like, he would say one thing to the mom when she was like, oh, hello, Mrs. Cleaver, may I help you with your groceries? And then when Mrs. Cleaver left the room, he'd be like, well, let's smoke a joint and have some booze. Your old lady is hot. He didn't say exactly that, but that's the point. All right? So I got a dose of Eddie Haskell this morning in the tribute. A little shout-out to A.D. Quigg and Gregory Pratt. Clem Ballop's going to get a kick out of this one. He hasn't read the story. So George Cardenas is stepping down as alderman of the 12th Ward. He was elected to the Cook County Board of Review. He's leaving, okay? Chicago politicians, come on, man. I get, I'm laughing before I even tell the story. So he's leaving office, and as typical thing, he's a mayoral ally. Flowery praise from the mayor for him, and flowery praise from him for the mayor. It's the nice side of Eddie Haskell. He's Eddie Haskell when he's helping her with the groceries. Oh, Madam Mayor, what a great mayor. You took all the hard decisions, and you made the hard decisions. You made this city work. And she's like, what a servant. What a servant of the people. I love you, George Cardenas. You have done such wonders for the, the constituents of the 12th Ward. Then meanwhile, Gregory Pratt, who's a freaking bulldog, has like foia'd every single text Lori Lightfoot has ever sent to anyone at every time. Clem Balanoff, I hope you haven't exchanged texts with Lori Lightfoot because Gregory Pratt will release them. Okay, and one day we'll all, yeah, I know I haven't exchanged any text with Lori Lightfoot. So, Gregory Pratt, if you un- uncover a text from me to Lori Lightfoot, it's fake, okay? That's fake news. Anyway, this text, it's like the real side of Cardenas and Lori Lightfoot. They're having an exchange, and she's like, you have to support me in this initiative against Anthony Beal. And he's go, all right, I'll support you, but you got to do more. You're not doing anything. You suck. Not exactly those words, but more or less. I'm like, why don't politicians just come right out and speak the truth instead of this Eddie Haskell stuff? And then, of course, the other thing, he's stepping down in order to Lori Lightfoot can appoint a successor. And they all act as though that will give the successor a huge leg up. The elections in February, ladies and gentlemen, okay, we're almost in November. No, we are in November. Just think about this. What is the implied, the subterranean message about Chicago voters? You know what the subterranean message Chicago voters is? You're idiots. 
somehow or other, a mayoral appointee who's been in office for all of two months is going to have an advantage over anybody else in a runoff election. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a runoff. No one's going to get 50% of the vote. It's just so, they just think you're so, it's like the whole thing where they have the lottery. Clem Ballinoff knows what I'm talking about. And they have a lottery and someone comes in first. There's like five candidates. And the guy who's first is like, I'm first on the ballot. What a huge advantage. What are the voters, idiots? And it's just like, well, I'm really in a hurry. I'm just going to vote for the, literally the first name I see in this ballot. And then I got to go to the jewel. Anyway, thank you very much, Gregory Pratt at the Chicago Tribune for uh, just a bulldog digging out these texts between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her alderman. All right, as I alluded to, it's Wednesday. Monroe Anderson has joined us, uh, and we are joined by an old friend of mine, Clem Balanoff. Um, and this man is a political to the core. He, uh, he's Chicago politics, independent politics, Harold Washington politics, David Orr. He was allies with David Orr. I got my issues with David Orr over the last few years, got a little too chummy with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. But David Orr was on the front lines uh, back in the day, so I got to give him some love. And uh, and now he's sort of the brains behind uh, Jesus Garcia's campaign uh, for mayor. Uh, so without further ado, I introduce uh, the great Clem Balanoff and Monroe Anderson. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Monroe, you come on every Wednesday. But I think, Clem, this is your debut on the show. Am I correct? Um, yeah, maybe. I've been in the studio when, like, Larry Cohn was there and things like that. Maybe my first time on the show. But, you know, Monroe there, and uh, I don't. you didn't know this, and Monroe may not know this. You may not remember it. You know, there was a, a lot of um, th- things going on in Gary, where he's from, around school segregation in the 50s. And there was a time when all of the whites boycotted the school. And there, my cousin, Tommy, who many of you know, Tom Balanoff from the SEIU, and his family were the only white kids that actually went to school that day. What school? Or was it um, all schools? I, he, uh, I believe it was, I don't know, it was, I think it was all schools. They used to live at 809 Polk Street in Gary. Yeah. He went to Horace Mann. I was just going to say, it might have been Horace Mann. It was yeah, Horace Mann. Man. He Horace. went to Horace Mann. Yeah, because yeah. um, I, I went to Roosevelt, and it was it, it was uh, tra- traditionally segregated. Yeah, well, that, that's right, and they were trying to end segregation in the schools. Actually, yeah. my aunt Betty, um, who was a professor of uh, labor history at Roosevelt University, wrote a paper on it. Um, you know, but it's it's an honor to be on with Monroe. Certainly, you know. Uh, that's without a doubt. It's great to see well, Monroe. Monroe is uh, one of the stars of the movie Punch Nine. Uh, we'll do yeah. a little Punch Nine reminiscence with Clem because uh, Clem's mom is in Punch Nine. Monroe, I don't know if you know that. Miriam Balanoff, a uh, legendary uh, political activist on the southeast side of Chicago. Shout out to Sue Sadlowski Garza, uh, who is sort of the heir to that legacy, if you will. She's stepping down. But Sue, you know, it's true. <laughs> the Balanoffs were there back in the 80s and the 70s. Uh, and she was, she supported. So she noticed, ladies and gentlemen, the 10th Ward, far southeast side of Chicago, that part of the city that just t- borders uh, Indiana, as far southeast as you can go before you fall into the state of Indiana. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's about seven miles away from Gary c- city limits. Yeah, it's right near Gary. Uh, that's, that's Eddie Verdoliak was the boss of that ward, and he is the evil villain uh, who tied, tag team with the other evil villain, uh, Eddie Burke, to oppose everything Harold Washington did. And they sure look pretty evil in the movie Punch Nine, which I urge everybody to see. Uh, what guts Miriam Balanoff had, she, even though she was in Eddie Verdoliak's ward, in Eddie Verdoliak's ward, Monroe, it's not like me up on the north side going, up oh, for Harold. <laughs> you know, no one's going to throw a rock through my window. Uh <laughs> In Eddie Verdoliak's ward, uh, she took a stand for uh, supported uh, Harold Washington. So, uh, okay, yeah, let me tell you a quick story about that, if you don't mind. Go ahead. If you if you mind, I won't tell you. It's it's just covering the the, the election back there. It's about covering the election and being in that territory. What I experienced. Okay, I'm working for the Tribune. Um, Epton has has a, a headquarters out there in, in Eddie's ward. Uh, there's an event. Epton's going to be there. I'm in line with a bunch of people who want to meet Epton because um, they didn't know me. For, I was a Tribune reporter, but they didn't know me. And 
I didn't feel comfortable going to the head of that line. So I'm standing behind this white woman and a school bus with black kids passes by the line. And there he's chanting, Harold, Harold. <laughs> and this, this woman is standing there and she says to another person, uh, another white person standing in the line, look at the jigs. And she, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she gave a damn. I, I don't know if she's aware I was there. And so I, I'm getting a bit uncomfortable. And um, I see a certain Tribune columnist, who at that time was a cub reporter for the paper out there, John Gass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And John sees me and knocks on the, the glass window and signals for me to come in. So all the white people see that I'm being invited in. And so I go in and I feel safer inside than I did out. Well, there you go. A nice word said about John Cass on the Ben Jarofsky show. I'm sure he's going to uh, exchange it with a nice word about me one of these days. Uh, that, was like, that was like the good Cass. Versus- the good Cass. <laughs> the good Cass. What happened to that Cass? Right. Uh, he left it in, uh, in Hegwish. All right. Uh, so Clem Balanoff, um, yeah. let's update things. You're, uh, very much involved to put it mildly, uh, in Jesus, uh, Chewy Garcia's campaign for mayor, which is not an official campaign for a mayor. And I got bets in Vegas. It'll never be a campaign for mayor. Uh, <laughs> I want I want some of that money. <laughs> okay. He wants it because he's gonna I'm gonna lose that bet he's saying. Uh so all right. Talk about why have you heard of the Lundy lunch? Luncheon? Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Uh, with Dave Lundy. He's a, anyway, PR a bunch guy. of political uh meet every last Friday. Oh, I've heard of it now, yes. When and you and Georgetti. Your name came up at the last one. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, they came up because they were talking about the Chewy Garcia campaign. Exactly. And uh, uh, so some people call it the Clem Balanoff campaign. Uh, uh, They said Chewy didn't want to run for mayor, but that you were pushing him. All right. So let's let's get the real story out here. Uh, I think I was may have been the one who said that. Uh, all right. So does Chewy Garcia want to run for mayor? Uh, that, I guess, is the first question for you. Go yeah, ahead. Well, well, I think, look. You know, he was, he's been considering it. When I say considering it though, there are things that he's done affirmatively. You know, we've um, got a great poll results as you might, as you probably both know, we're the only candidate in the race that beats the mayor handily, um, which is certainly encouraging. We are collecting signatures on petitions and it's going incredibly well. We've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have signed up on our website, readyforchewy.com and downloaded a petition. Um, he filed his a statement with the, of, of economic interest with the Board of Ethics. That's something that you don't have to do as a congressman. You only do if you're going to run for a city office. So I think that's affirmative. And I guess it was yesterday we changed our committee so we are allowed to accept contributions at Chewy Garcia for mayor. So all, all signs point in that direction. It's a question of now a matter of when, I think, rather than, much more so than if. And um, we're excited about it. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about what day, speculation about what day it could be. Some reporters actually have suggested that it might be November 10th. And many of you may remember this as the day 40 years ago that Chewy's, my friend, um, Monroe's friend, probably Ben's friend too, um, Harold Washington announced he was going to run for mayor of the city of Chicago. But we're really, you know, I think it's we're, he's very close. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I was, we wouldn't be doing all this, I don't think, if, he, if we didn't believe he was going to be a candidate. Well, the November 10th, uh, Harold announced at, uh, I think it was the Hilton and Hyde Park. Yeah, uh, I, and, I, uh, I scooped everybody in town. That was my scoop. I was a general assignment reporter, and I scooped everybody. I had I, I had uh, the headline for the, the Monday Tribune, Washington and Mayor's Race. Yeah, and oh. it, did, it wasn't until Tuesday, I think, that, or maybe it was Wednesday, whatever, later, like a couple days later that he actually announced. So the significance of Harold announcing when he did was uh, the midterms were over of 1982. Let's just pause and think about that. Time has gone on. Uh, so the midterms of 82 were over. He had been sex- successfully reelected, officially reelected as congressman of the first congressional district. Uh, fast forward to 2022, Chewy Garcia uh, the elections are next Tuesday. He will undoubtedly be successfully reelected as congressman. 
Uh, so then you're suggesting that once reelected as congressman, yeah. then he's going to announce. Is that what I, you're saying? I think so. I think it's like this. Look, it's important that he does get through that election. He is weighing things, including his family, you know, with his family considerations. But all signs are pointing that he certainly um, will be candidate. All right. So um, why why do you think he's such a good candidate? Candidate for mayor city of Chicago, Clem. Well, I, I think that there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think that he's probably the only candidate who can bring together a really a fractured city, a city of rich diversity. You know, one that is, is will will focus on inclusion as opposed to exclusion. You know, he's the he's a person that the the finances of cities and municipal governments and our governments across the country has been buoyed up by a lot of money from the feds um, in the last couple of years, the pandemic money, and. He, during that time in Congress, has built some tremendous relationships, like with the people that will probably be in control of the next Congress, uh, if, if the Democrats keep control. If not, they'll be the minority people in there. People like Hakeem Jeffries, who has been being mentioned um, repeatedly as the, possibly the next speaker. People like Jamie Raskin, who everybody knows, constitutional scholar, done an incredible job every time you see him. Bright guy. And people like that. In the, on the state level, he's got a really good relationship with the governor. He's got a good relationship with the president of the Senate, Don Harmon, and the speaker with Speaker Chris Welch. Those will pay dividends because the city's going to be when that since that pandemic money is running out, cities are going to like city of Chicago is going to need money. And you have to have somebody who has relationships and gets along to be able to bring that. Nobody better than Chewy. He's a collaborator, collaborator. He's a builder. You know, he, he, he focuses on relationships. And I think that's something a consensus builder. So I think all the way around, um, you know, he's he's the kind of person that we need and his ideas certainly, um, you know, and, and we'll be, he'll be talking about those, you know, specifics in the campaign. Um, you know, of course, assuming he gets in. Um, but I think that, you know, you'll find that he's head and shoulders above any of the other candidates. All right. Uh, I just want to point out that we have a midterms coming up uh, in a week. I'm not quite certain Hakeem Jeffries, Nancy Pelosi, or any of the Democrats will be running Congress uh, after these midterms. Uh, Monroe, Clem, and I will be doing a midterm uh, conversation in a little bit. But uh, he may not be, even if he is uh, Mayor Garcia, or if it's Mayor Lightfoot, or if it's Mayor uh, Brandon Johnson, et cetera, so forth, I don't know if they're going to be getting much help from Congress uh, if MAGA takes control. All right, Clem. One thing, though, that's important is, in Congress, even when they want, no matter which side is in control, there's always money that people get to that, that other members can help bring to an area. I mean, a if they, if Republicans pass a budget, it's not going to be totally one without any Democratic input. They may get mostly Democrat, Republican votes or maybe even all, but they still are trying to negotiate and they put in things for different areas or different projects across the country. So that's the really the important thing, you know, about when I talk about relationships. Yeah. And you have to have them, you have to build them. And you can. <laughs> Biden, Biden had those relationships. How far has it gotten there? Well, look, I mean, you can you can look at it like this. We you know, the Democrats passed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. They passed chips. They passed the Inflation Reduction Act. There's you know, there are things that they have done. Yeah, I granted it's been difficult. I'm a union guy. The PRO Act, which is the Workers Rights Amendment in Illinois, is like the PRO Act for Illinois. We couldn't we can't get 50 Democratic votes. The ones right now, interestingly, um, you know, it, it has it does have Joe Manchin. Somebody says, "Oh, it's Joe Manchin's the only one doing it." No, actually, it's the um, it's Kristen Cinema right now, and and maybe Mark Kelly and maybe Mark Warner, um, but we bet you know like we're we're just not quite there. So I think that there are t- there are things that he did accomplish um, on you know that that you know that Joe Biden has accomplished. And I don't think it's fair to say like, look, I come from the Transit Workers Union. Um, we got something in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that's never been gotten ever before in the country, and that is led- language. That says that you also have to have, you have to have, first of all, bus drivers and train operators are assaulted every day. Now this language says that they have to set up safety committees in every jurisdiction with over 200,000 people, which certainly Chicago is one. And it has to have an equal number of labor and management. And they have to come up with a safety mitigation plan. And every area of the country, it's different depending on the situation. If they don't, then there's a hammer. And the hammer is that they will lose federal transportation funds, funding. So you know they're going to have to be at the table and it's equal number of members. So we're really excited about that. That had never happened before. No other union has that in the country. So, you know, there are things people can say, you know, talk about Joe Biden hasn't done this, he hasn't done that. You know, he certainly has accomplished some things. All right, we'll 
again, we'll talk about terms in a little bit because the Punch Nine Harold Washington movie, I think, will have a, rel- a lot of relevance to what we see in Washington if the Republicans seize control of Congress. I see very much a situation like where Eddie Verdolik and Eddie Burke refused to pass anything that Harold Washington uh, proposed. Uh, they used their power to thwart it in, in the hopes that it would sabotage his administration. I want to go back to Chewy uh, running, if he does run, uh, but, and get both of your thoughts on this uh we talked a lot in this show clem uh within the last couple weeks ago i think it was uh when the comments from uh the secretly recorded comments of the president of the los angeles city council were unveiled uh, a mexican-american woman she has since had a step down very um just ugly, hideous comments about black people, about gay people, actually, uh, about uh, people, indigenous people from Mexico, skin colorism. We talked a lot with Adolfo Mondragon about colorism in the Mexican-American community. Uh, how, what impact will that have in uh, Chicago when uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia, uh, a Mexican-American, is appealing uh, to black voters for their support against Lori Lightfoot? Well, obviously well, a black I woman. That, yeah, I, I can't say that, that those comments were helpful, but certainly um, he put out a statement about that, how, you know, de- being deplorable, you know, because, but I think that people know, Chewy, you know, you talked about um, the movie Punch Nine for Harold Washington. One of the central people in the, in the documentary is Chewy Garcia, because when nobody else was there, Chewy Garcia was there. And that's a fact. He's always worked to bring together a black, brown, working men and women, progressive coalition. That is who he is. That's his essence. So I think that that's what people are, you know, that they should focus on. And, you know, will it hurt? Things like that never help. And it was wrong. Monroe, your thoughts on this? Um, that's idealistic. Chewy is a good guy. Clem is a good guy. But there is a reality in Chicago, in America, that doesn't quite fit that. For example, uh, uh, many people think that the Hispanic community is monolithic, and it's not. When I I was press secretary, there was a a divide between the city's Puerto Ricans and the city's Mexicans, uh, with the the Puerto Ricans calling, referring to the the Mexicans as pie face, uh, because their features are round, and the um, Mexicans calling the Puerto Ricans niggers, uh, and uh, and and I, I maybe Clem can address this this, but I'm a little bit skeptical about the the average black Chicago voter, not the leadership, because yeah, there 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 is a coalition in existence in mm-hmm. Chicago among the groups, but when you get down to the everyday voter, if there's not going to be some prejudice against Huey because he's a Mexican. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm one that, I'm one that really does believe we've got to keep hope alive. It is something that my, you know, in my life, I, you know, I've always fought for, and that's to not allow people to be divided because that's the other side always tries to divide us along, you know, color right. line, black versus the white, the man versus the woman, the skilled against the unskilled, the native born against the foreign born, um, you know, that type of thing. And when they do that, we lose. And that's yeah. one of our, that's one of our challenges um, is to really to try to build that kind of coalition, you know, um, and I suspect that when it comes to the runoff, um, you know, assuming that there is a runoff and Chewy is one of the candidates, I think you'll see that that kind of a coalition coming together in, in such a, you know, a tremendous way and an invigorating way and an exciting way for people. He is a builder. He's a, he's somebody, you know, and I know that I'm, I, you know, I've known him for 35 years. Yeah. As long as I've known Ben over there, <laughs> you actually know me longer than you know Chewy. I hate to say it, man. Ben over here helped make me. He doesn't know this. When I came back to Chicago, Harold made me the superintendent of streets and sanitation in 10th Ward, and I was the only superintendent that was allowed to talk to the press. And Ben did this story on me in 1946, <laughs> and I was the superintendent there. And do you remember Harold's newspaper, the one he put out? At first, it didn't have a name on it. And then it was called second term. Well, in the first edition, there was only one story of anybody but Harold. And that was a story that Ben had written about me for the reader. They reprinted it. Yes, they reprinted it. And, you know, uh, it's, um, 
But no, that that was let me, let me, let me, that was a fun story, Monroe, because right. it, you just got to understand this, ladies and gentlemen. Back in those days, uh, it, things have changed because of they've ch- just changed the structure of Streets and Sand. But in those days, a Streets and Sand oh. district corresponded to a ward. And the uh, the local head of Streets and Sand in a ward was handpicked by the alderman. Yeah. And because the alderman's reelection was so contingent on his or her ability to uh, make sure that garbage was collected. People <laughs> in the city of Chicago don't ask for much. OK, <laughs> just get, pick up my garbage and they're yours forever. All right, this is me speaking. I clam. OK, OK, I'm sorry. It is a little bit more of that. Every now and then pave the streets. You're right. OK, yeah. so. Uh, <laughs> They don't ask for much. So they'll even put up with a little corruption, but just make sure the garbage is collected. So Eddie Berdoliak, who's the arch villain, once again, youngsters, uh, who posing Harold Washington at every step of the way, the all powerful despot who rules over the 10th ward like he's Henry VIII. All of a sudden, his street superintendent is Clem Balanoff. who is the son of Miriam Balanoff, who used, who is like uh, arch enemy. They hate the balance. Verdoliacs hate Balanoffs. And it was like, Harold, what a master move, a chess player move. He put Clem in there. And Clem was like, I'm going to clean up this ward. Maybe I'll run for Alderman against Verdoliac. <laughs> and then you know what they did? I was telling Clem this one, Monroe. This is, this is Chicago politics, man. So Clem had spent a couple of years in Cali, California, where I, I don't even know if you were there a year, Clem. Uh, and, and so they put it, they called him California Clem. You know, he, he moved to California for a year. Once again, Chicago, and they think you're really stupid. Oh, my God. That like, sounds like some kind of foreigner. California Clem. We can't vote for him. So, yeah, those, that was the 10th Ward in the old days, Clem. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, 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 speaking of that, um, I had the um, Streets and Sand headquarters at the end of my alley. Uh, and my alley got, when it snowed, my alley got shoveled. The folks, oh, well. that's, that's, and it was a family, I can't remember their names now, but they were very connected. Uh, uh, God. Do you remember Maddie Thompson? Yeah. She was assistant superintendent of streets and sanitation. And there was a big snow and they, they had plowed from, her house on 97th or 98th in Oglesby all the way out to 95th. And you know, her snow was plowed and nobody else was. Yeah. yeah. Or Ed Burke, where his yeah. block is, you know, like, and his block is like this dead end kind of thing. Like nobody yeah. goes there except <laughs> block and a half that lives on each side of him. And yet that's clean and everything else is uh, just blocked. Right. What a city. What right. a freaking city. All right. So Clem, uh, one of the posters in the background uh, that I alluded to already is Jonathan Jackson, Jesse Jackson's yeah. son. Yeah. Uh, and you are very instrumental in his campaign. You were an early supporter. Uh, Help bring Bernie, bring that union together. Bernie Sanders uh, comes a big Bernie guy. Uh, as am I, Monroe, not so much. Uh, and uh, yeah, Monroe likes <laughs> Bernie's ideas, but Monroe was realistic enough to know that Bernie had a snowball chance at hell of actually getting elected. I, I just what Bernie talked I, about is what everybody is mainstream talking about now. No, I it. was talking about it all along. No, because, it, I, because I was the I, I, I was the oddball on on Ben's show. Yeah, he, was. I, he was he yeah. was he was a Joe Biden guy. No, I was a let's win, let's win the White House guy. Okay, so we'll we'll revisit that. We did spend about a year doing this conversation. I just threw that in the needle him a little bit. All right, Uh, so can Chewy expect uh, Congressman Jackson endorsement if uh, Chewy decides to run? I mean, um, I Chewy know. endorsed Jackson, right? So I just, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're talking to lots of people at this point in time about, you know, like what they're, what they're willing to do, who would, is willing to come out early, um, you know, but, you know, I think that no matter who comes out and supports people, it's all about a volunteer operation, getting people out in the streets and knocking on some doors and raising enough money, certainly to get in the media, you know, whether it's mailers, texts, um, and things like that. And I think that we have all of those, which nobody else does. We have a volunteer army out there. I don't think that people listen to other people like, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, unfortunately they, they sometimes do, but it's not in, in a big way. I think that people follow endorsements as much as I think people give them credit for, but we're always hopeful to get him. We're hopeful to get him and many others. 
Well, I think actually, I disagree with you on that point. I think a Jonathan Jackson endorsement would be very helpful, particularly in the area we're talking about. There's such a division, uh, politically speaking, between uh, blacks and Hispanics. So it would be very helpful. You know, I think it would be real helpful. There's no doubt about it. Oh, you know, and I think the world of Jonathan, I mean, there's no question. You know, it's like we when Jonathan decided to run, we, he and I were in his kitchen. And we went and I came over and we were talking about the race and things. And then he said, yes, Clem, I'm going to run. And I'm walking out the door two or three hours later. And it had just been me and him. And um, I'm walking out the door and he said, wait, wait, come here, come here, come here. And he said, let's take a picture. He said, this is historic. And we took a picture outside of his house in his, in the, it's, you know, the covered door there. Um, and I still have it. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, we go, Jonathan and I go way back. Look, Jonathan um, supported Bernie. He supported Chewy in 2015. And people have to remember, you know, that those were not always easy decisions. Bernie certainly was not an easy decision, um, but we did better among the African-American community in Illinois than anywhere in the country for, for Bernie in 2016. And it was in part because of Jonathan, but it's also a part because we really paid and understood that it's important to pay attention to the black community. All right. That, and, I have a question for Kim. Okay. Harold, 40 years ago, Harold's conditions were X amount of money, X amount of new registered voters. Does Chewy have the same conditions, and if so, are, are for you before he, he goes forward, and if so, what's the numbers? Well, I don't think there are any numbers or anything like that. We, we've been looking to see what kind of support we would get, both in terms of a field operation, people collecting signatures. People have been looking at where, where we can get the money to be able to for a campaign. I'm not really a fi- the finance guy normally. Um, and other barometers or, or other, other metrics, you know, things like the poll that we can win, on um, that type of thing. So they're all, I think they're all the, the, the metrics or the, or the, or the, the benchmarks that we have to hit are different. And it's not numbers um, as, uh, as much as really, you know, uh, is it doable? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is um, uh, a really resounding and very loud. Yes. All right. Uh, before we move to the midterms, I have to ask you this question about uh, signatures to get on the nominating. But let's say yeah. Chewy does decide he's going to run. He needs yeah. 12,500 signatures to make the ballot, yeah. which is outrageous. Right. Just think about outrageous high number. If anybody saw uh, the Steve James documentary about the 2019 mayoral election, City So Real, so much of it takes place in the bowels of City Hall or the, uh, the county building where they're fighting over, you know, Ricky Hendon, my old friend Ricky Hendon is trying to knock off everybody uh, so that Willie Wilson is the only black man running in the race. And just uh, at one time, they almost went to J- Jamal Green and uh, Ricky Hennon almost go to blows. Uh, so there's just like subterranean battle going on. Can I just, I was, by the way, I saw a uh, canvasser on Saturday. Shout out uh, to uh, canvasser for uh, Camp Buckner's campaign out there gathering uh, signatures to petitions outside a library in the north side of Chicago. So my question to you is, does Chewy have the capability to get 12,500? Yeah. Good, Clem. You yeah. know the game. You played the game I, a long time. Good oh. signatures. Because Lori Lightfoot's lawyers are going to be scanning those signatures. Go ahead. Well, I, I certainly you know would welcome that if that's what they do. Yes, when I say that, we've been collecting signatures since last Saturday. Okay? That's when we started. And when we, we put it out to, we, we see, remember, we have a volunteer list from last time. And that's a real advantage because the same people we, you know, you can go back to because they've helped him out in the past. And we put it on, you know, we, we sent him a text and said, Hey, if you want to get involved, go to readyforchewy.com. And anybody that wants a petition should go to readyforchewy.com. But people went by the hundreds. And we legitimately have, you know, I mean, a veritable army out there of people collecting. I was calling people last night. Somebody, do you remember Jim Barrera? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Jim Barrera, when I resigned as committeeman of the 10th Ward, the Democratic committeeman, I appointed him. He's one of my close friends. He's dead now. His kid there, he's not a kid anymore, he's 40-something, is a fireman. He's collected already himself 470 signatures. I say that because there's, there's stories like that across the city. When I was calling some people last night, I said, hey, how are we doing? Oh, Clem, I've got 200 of them. I, you know, I, I called this friend of mine, Delia. I called another friend of mine. He says, well, I'm going out of town, but I have 120 signatures. I said, well, how am I going to get them? He said, I'll bring them to you tonight at this event at the Mexican Fine Arts Museum. So, yeah, I mean, that's not, I don't think the, that is, is, is going to be, I mean, we certainly are, if we're not there already, we'll be there very shortly with the or initial 12-5, but you're going to certainly turn in many more than that. Yeah, you got to, the, yeah. uh, I mean, camp- and, you go and ahead. Point out something else. We are one of the only, if not the only campaign that is not paying for signatures. 
You know, we collected in 2015, 63,000 signatures. And if everyone wants to go back and count them, go get it and check them because they have <laughs> collected in three and a half weeks. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's important because, you know, we, we have a lot of people that are really very motivated. They're excited about Chewy and they're ready for Chewy.com. Do you notice how you slipped that in again? All right, one more time, Clem. You get to go. Go ahead. Say it again. What was it again? I, I missed it. Ready for Chewy. R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-C-H-U-Y.com. Anybody that wants a petition, you want to get involved in the campaign, sign up right now. All right. Uh, I, I have to make mention that Brandon Johnson will be on the show tomorrow. So everybody gets to come on the Ben Jarofsky show. I even invite Paul Vallis on. After, uh, I'll argue tips with him. I guess he, I doubt he'll come on, though. Um, all right. Uh, so anything else you want to say about that election before we move to midterms, Clem? No, I just think if people want a winner, they ought to get on board with Chewy Garcia right now. All right. So I have a bet right now that he won't run. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have a bet that he won't run. I think I had three bets that he won't run. Uh, and um, so we'll see. I'll, I, I, owe, I will owe three different breakfasts and lunch to people because that's what the, the, the uh, bet is uh, about him running. I made a couple bets last night when we did uh, the first Tuesday show. All right, uh, let's move on to the midterms. I asked uh, Clem before we came on, we had a very brief phone conversation. I go, try to dispel the gloom and doom uh, that's been uh, fed, spoon-fed to me by the New York Times and the Washington Post about the Democrats' chances to forestall, which in my opinion would be like almost a fascistic takeover of Congress. This is me speaking, not Clem or Monroe, although I think Monroe definitely agrees with me. Uh, and uh, so I said, Clem, please help me dispel the gloom and doom. I also said that to Monroe last night when we were chatting. So Clem, we'll start with you. Uh, can you dispel the gloom and doom that I have about uh, the Democrats' chances in the midterms to hold on to Congress? Well, I, I mean, Ben, I know you're, you're very optimistic, and I've, I've historically been um, very optimistic. But when you look at polling, and, and, I, and I do believe in polls, and I don't mean to believe in one poll, but in polling averages, um, you know, we have to win in Pennsylvania because there's a good chance we'll lose a seat in, in Nevada and, other, and the other seats, you know, maybe the status quo. Um, Raphael Warnock, you see the thing up there. I was up in Georgia for a couple of months um, for Raphael Warnock in uh, 2020. Uh, and you know, he's going to be probably pulled into um, a, a, an election because nobody would maybe get 50 percent in, in um, December. Um, but we have to have that to hold on to the, the Senate. We have to win um, the, those those two seats we may lose in as Arizona right now. It's not looking great in the House. And, and when I say that right now, um, 538, that's Nate Silver, says uh, when he does all these different models, he said it's 52 out of 100 that the Republicans will control the Senate. Um, and 84 out of 100 that they're going to control the House when he does different elections, uh, election scenarios. When we hear things like on the front page yesterday of the Chicago Tribune that is a dead even race between Sean Caston and Peacow, in a district that should be a Democratic district, we look at the new gov the governor's races in. Now these are now this now the, these two are only one with the last poll and just one poll in New Jersey, in um, New York, and in uh, Michigan. Both of those were with Gretchen Whitmer and Kathy Hochul in, in New York, which should be you know um, you know. Favorite, you know, fairly blue, certainly New York. Um, they say that those are much closer than um, than anybody had expected. And they're talking about certain specific seats in Congress in New York and in New England that early on didn't appear to be, um, you know, that they, that they should have been Democratic seats. And uh, especially in New York, where they, you know, like the, we we basically won the map. And it just isn't. It, it's uh, the things are much closer, if not either even or a little bit behind some Democrats. So there is reason to concern. It's all about turnout. We've got to get our votes out. In, in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes and Tony Evers are going, they can win. People have got to turn out. They've got to turn out in Milwaukee. Mm. I mean, you know, that's going to be one of the real keys. And I think that people have to understand how much is on the line. Our democracy in many respects is on the line. Now I sometimes think it's difficult to use the word United States and democracy in one sentence because of all the money in politics now. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it becomes, you know, they're, 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 David Orr would love to talk to you about that sometime, but um you know, that's that we're, it's, we're, we, we see that it's becoming a game where there's millions and millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of million dollars in these races. So, you know, I'm not I'm 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 hopeful, but I'm not optimistic, you know, but it doesn't make me work any less hard. And I would hope that people in Illinois, if they have some time, you they can get up to Wisconsin. I've got a number of friends that have been up there knocking on some doors. If anybody wants to get involved in any one of these campaigns, whether it's um, Sherry Beasley down in North Carolina, whether it's um, it's um, Raphael Warnock in Georgia, um, 
Catherine Cortez, Masto, you know, John, any of these, they can, there's, you can call from home. They're virtual phone banks. They're on all the time. Just go to their websites. You can get involved and you should get involved if you care. All right, Monroe, are you uh, hopeful? Uh, Monroe, are you hopeful uh, or are you feeling gloom and doom? I'm, I, I'm skittish. <laughs> I, I was feeling gloom and doom a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I look at this and, and we come down to the close, I've, I've been searching for reasons to be optimistic. And the reasons I'm, I, I, I don't have as much faith in polls as I once did, because um, because they don't poll young people, and young people they don't poll them because you you have to. It's, it's my understanding that uh, the, those who are being polled are people who have voted before, not those who've never voted. Right? Uh, and so. A lot of the young people have never voted. And because of um, Dobbs and because of um, the legal uh, marijuana, the, the, the changes in marijuana, uh, it is imagined that more young people are going to show up than normally do. And if that happens, then we'll get that um, surprise win. So, yeah. Simply, simply, simply because it's uh, these races are so close. That in some some instances, that they're appointed to, mm. you know, they're all within the the margin of error, and so yeah, I'm I, I'm thinking my fingers are crossed. I'm thinking that um, we we definitely will have the Senate, yeah, and we may able be able to keep. House. Well, I've always been uh, pessimistic about the House uh, for the simple reason that gerrymandering takes place, and Clem knows this game very well. Uh, so you can't gerrymander an entire state. You could set up laws to, uh, uh, you know, make it difficult for people to vote statewide. That is correct, but you cannot gerrymander the boundary. The Republicans haven't figured out how to do that yet. I'm sure that's coming, uh, but they haven't figured out how to do that yet. So I'm more confident about the Senate. Uh, I'm, I'm in this position, uh, Clem, and I kind of alluded this to you before we went on the air. And I've said this with Monroe, there's so much propaganda put out there Uh, in the state of Illinois. Dan Proft has is disseminates propaganda on uh, just a routine, regular basis. And I watch with fascination how it works. So in terms of a poll, they'll release a poll that some Republican did that shows Darren Bailey within the the five percentage points. And he goes, he's within the margin of error. And they, they, they put that out there. Reporters start repeating it. And then Democrats, who are just like an anxiety-riddled bunch to begin with, just start getting more anxious and more... Oh my God! I read in the Tribune, which is their Bible. I read in the Tribune that he's within five points, and so I just I don't know what's real anymore. There's so much lying going on. There's so much deceit. It's yeah, uh, it's epidemic. Well, right. Just out now, lying. Paul right. Pelosi gets yeah. beat up in his house. And not even within 24 hours, Clem Balanoff, immediately the Republicans are pushing a lie out about it. And then they use the lie they push out about it as an excuse to mock it. So they don't have to own up for the poison they put into the atmosphere. Right. This is a different environment, even than 1983, which was pretty vile in its own way. Your thoughts, Clem? No, no, no. I, I think that you're right. But, but there, are, there are, you know, you can't think that all polls are not, aren't, aren't accurate. Look, the one I was talking, talking to you about, about um, the governor's races in New York and Michigan, those are New York Times Siena polls. And according to 538, they, they rate pollsters on how accurate they are. That's one of the few A-plus rated polling firms. And I always look at the quality of the poll. Because if you tell me a poll, let me, I can look them up and figure out how accurate have they been. And that's yeah. how you, I think, you know, one of the ways that you have to judge them. You know, it's, um, it's just one more thing. Look, in Ohio, the, um, Tim, uh, Tim Ryan has one of the best ground games, I've been told. He's running a great campaign. You know, he's, um, but he's behind in polling and in both 538, Sabato, 
um, real clear politics, um, and I think it's this uh, the political, all have it saying, look, it's you know, it's 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 leans Republican. They've moved it in that direction now, and he's running a great campaign. Don't always agree with them, but that's okay. What's you know? the numbers? What's the difference in the numbers there? Now? That one, uh, the good polls. Um, well, let's see. I have a paper here. Okay, so right now he's down two point one percent. That was as of two days ago. The average. Yeah. Um, you know, is that a lot to make up? No, it's that's turnout. It just right. depends. If you right. know, and and quite honestly, it depends on big city turnout. Like in Cleveland, yeah, they have to turn people out in Cleveland. They have to turn people out in um. Oh, I think in Toledo's another good city for Democrats. I don't remember. I don't know the map that well in in, in Ohio. Sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, look, you got to uh, quite honestly, if if we can turn the African Americans out, that's right. Okay. We can turn, you know, union members. You know, there was I was on an AFL CIO political call. They have them every week, and they were sampling union members, and seeing you know like who they were going to vote for in these states. And you would think it would be pretty overwhelmingly for the Democrats. In fact, it's quite close in Wisconsin as an example. When they polled union members, yeah, wow. it was only 1%. It was like 51-49 voting for Democrats Yeah, in Wisconsin. I no, mean, you know, we have to do a better job. Like in unions, we have to do a better job of, of making our, our membership understand why we're supporting certain candidates, not just when it's election time. And I don't think that we do that well enough. Yeah, Obama is the only one who is making the argument where the average voter can understand it. You know, the... Yeah, the other Democrats are speaking in conventional, stereotypical talking mm-hmm. points. Yeah. And that's not connecting. But what Obama has been saying just in the week that he's been out there, oh. it's magical. I mean, yeah. it really, I mean, it just cuts that, it cuts to the chase. Right. Well, he, look, he's one of the best validators for Democrats, and he can yeah. bring people around. That's why everybody is you know, so in demand. Right. You know, um, Joe Biden, some people don't, when he comes out, they don't go, they don't, they're, they're, they, they keep their distance. I'm not sure why, because certainly he has a lot to talk about and a lot to say. Prescription drug prices lowered, doing all kinds of things, you know, that are, are actually things that the Democrats have done. Bernie Sanders is out on the trail now because a number of places they think that he would be, he could be helpful kind of whipping up the young people to vote. Um, so, you know, I think that it's, it's all hands on deck now to yeah. try to you know, win the Senate, you know, to maintain the, the 50-50 minimally in the Senate and to win the House. You know, that's why I said, look, I think everybody, if you got a few hours, get involved in the next, you know, next five, five days or whatever it is, because you know what, that little bit that you do, those few phone calls you make, that the couple of doors you knock on, if you go up to Wisconsin, I always say Wisconsin for Illinois, just it's geographically so close um, to Chicago. Um, you know, it can make a difference. I think we, uh... we all know there have been one vote elections and, you know, now, but there are people though that legitimately um, it's, you know, the, there are very close elections. Well, to the point about uh, the black vote, uh, there was an article in the uh, Sun-Times today uh, about how uh, anti-Pritzker PAC is trying to suppress Chicago's black vote. You could call it the Delmarie Cobb theory. Should have given her a shout-out sometimes. Delmarie Cobb has been saying this, Monroe, you know this for a long, long time, that the key to the Republican success uh, is to suppress the black vote, and they do that. Um, they don't, it's not as though any Republican candidate ever has particularly in this generation has made like a policy proposal that would entice black people uh, to, to vote for them. But what they do is it's just spread again, the sense of nihilism that no matter who you vote for, they are all bad. They're going to betray you. Don't vote. Right. And Monroe, you know, that's the game they play. We, you and I've been talking about that for forever. And, uh, and Del Marie, she's been leading the way. And finally the sun times caught up and they wrote a story about it. Was it, was it Lynn Sweet's column? Yeah, it was Lynn Sweet's column. Today's paper should have been give a shout out to Del Marie Cobb because she's been saying this to Clem forever, and yep. uh, she is so right on about it. And um, that I saw that in 2016, Monroe. We've talked about that in Milwaukee. The black vote plummeted. If yes. and uh, as a result, Donald Trump was able to win Wisconsin. Uh, and by the way, if the black vote doesn't plummet, you know what they do? They argue that the vote should be thrown out, right. which was the argument they advanced yeah. in 2020. Yeah. So, uh, it's, for Detroit it, in particular, yes, Detroit yeah. in particular, and also in Pennsylvania with yeah. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, yeah. and also yeah. Atlanta with Georgia. I mean, yeah. uh, Georgia with Atlanta. So, uh, yeah, it's 
it's a powerful force that the Democrats uh, are up against. It's a force that doesn't play. They, they don't mind cheating. They don't mind lying. Uh, and I feel like they've gaslit America. Oh, they, they savor it. They, say, yeah. they savor cheating and lying. <laughs> yeah, they love it. It's yeah. not a don't mind. <laughs> but Monroe, I got to ask you this before we go, and then Clem, you weigh in on this. So no. Paul Pelosi gets beat up in his house. Nancy Pelosi's husband gets beat up. I already alluded to this once. Right. And as a, instead of what a conventional it would be a conventional ritual in our country where people pause in politics to say, we condemn this act. All right. Yes. Instead, I not kidding with immediately MAGA turned it into like a propaganda tool. Yes. Like it's fake news. He was picking up. It was a gay lover. You know, he knew the man. They put all this stuff out, which is yeah. absolute lies. Yeah, uh, no. And now they, and then they just started Donald Trump, baby Trump mocks it with, with a tweet. Right. I'm like, yes. <laughs> this is where we're at right now. Is yeah, this well, working with the public well, Monroe Anderson? Well, okay, well, first of all, let me make this point that I think is important. Had the hammer man been black, Oh, okay. We wouldn't have been talking about this. They would have just shot him and killed him. That <laughs> been the end of it. And, and and they would and they would you know and they'd have good cause the way the police rules. But because he's a white guy, they 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 treat him with kid gloves. They probably took him out for some steak and, and caviar before they 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 arrested him. Who knows? Uh, but. It's so insane that, you know, he was an 82 year old man yeah. being held, you know, and, and who just happens to be married to the, the, the second in line person to be president of the United States. And the Republicans don't care. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't say we're sorry. This is terrible. Um, yeah. It's 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 like a big joke, and Democrats ought to be pointing that out among other things. I mean, the Democrats in this last week have so many good talking points God, against yes. their Republican opponents, and if they don't do, if they don't take advantage of it, then maybe we need to lose the country. Well, I wouldn't go there and say that, you know, but there are, but there are certainly, you know, Trump Republicans who will believe anything that they, he says and, and people, his surrogates and his group says, you know, right. like and everybody else. It's not, and that is just unbelievable to me. The election was stolen. The, you know, right. it's talking about Paul Pelosi, that horrific event is saying, oh, you know, I mean, it's just, it defies any kind of logic. I mean, it's, you know, it's just outrageous. I mean, remember when he said, I can, I can shoot somebody in Times Square and right. I, Nobody would care. You know, right. it's so sad that you, when you think of the commentary on, on, on the population of the U.S., when, you know, when he says something like that, and there's a certain sector of, this, of, 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 the, of the United States that actually believes it no matter what. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I mean, there's a whole lot more of us that don't. Before he, was, he, he uh, ran, yeah. When the story broke, I mean, well, he was a candidate, but when the story broke about him um, grabbing women by yeah. the crosses, right. there were some women running around with T-shirts that said, grab me by my crouch. Yeah. Because yeah. our pussy. You know, you well, know yeah. yeah. Outrageous. So, Clem, you come from rough and tumble 10th Ward politics. We already yeah. alluded to it. Uh, has this exceeded even that? Has it succeeded? Exceeded. Has it gone beyond? Well, I, often it's gone beyond. It's different. I mean, it's much different. You know, look, in the 10th Ward with Ed Verdoliak, it was always, you know, the black against the white. That's He made it, you know, he, they took care of, and Harold, when he put me there, that's one of the reasons, he took care of one part of the ward. And, you know, there was his, his secretary, a black family moved into the 10th Ward and to the east side, and his secretary's son, as you probably remember, burned the garage, burned him out to scare him out. It was things like that. I mean, and you know, they, that, that was what he did. It was like, you wanted Edward Dolia because he kept the ward white. That's what his claim to fame always was. Then the Latinos moved over the bridge at 92nd street 
And then it was, well, we keep the blacks out. Now the East side is nicely integrated and, you know, just everybody knows. Um, but no, I mean, it was always, it was always a struggle. There were times when we had to have people, we wouldn't let people walk alone when they were knocking on doors. We'd have to have two people to be able to make sure that they didn't, nothing happened to them. And those, that was the days when everybody was a volunteer. And we had to find, you know, people that it would, you could only cover half as much territory, but you wanted to protect your people. Yeah. Stanley Machacek, um, a steel worker, had a bullet put through his window when he was, you know, when he was campaigning or, you know, supporting us. And Eddie Sadlowski. It's things like that that happened. And it was, I don't want to say that happened regularly, but it really did happen fairly regularly. You know, you were threatened. You were threatened to people. Voters were intimidated and told, hey, you want city services. You know, you have to vote for us. And if you don't, you won't get any city services. The light that you want fixed up, or, or as you point out earlier, the garbage you want picked up because you had spring cleaning, it might sit there for three weeks. I mean, they may eventually pick it up, but it was it was like that. You had to, you know, if they didn't bow down and kiss the ring. And at one time, Eddie had 6,000 people that had gotten their jobs through him. Mm. And when you think about what that means, I mean, they, they, all of those people have to vote for you, or they're supposed to, and their families and by the time you're done, one of them said to me, you know, Clem, you all got doing this wrong. You know, like <laughs> he said, it's eight o'clock in the morning, 7,000, 8,000 people have voted. You know, we've already beaten you. Now the rest of the day, may get one and we may get one of everyone to come out. He said, well, we're going to beat you. He says, you all ought to quit fighting us. And he said, join us. He said, we would take you guys with open arms. He said, and you can all get good jobs. He said, look at me. He said, I'm a, he was, his, his name was Foster Millhouse. He was in rodent control. And he was one of the biggest rodents there. <laughs> I mean, and this rodent said, well, look, you know, he said, if you do that, he says, we'll get you jobs. He said, you know, anytime you want your family. He said, I don't know why you want to fight us. I mean, it was things like that. But, you know, I mean, in that precinct, once I almost got, I almost got arrested in the precinct. I was, um, they had the old, um, the lever machine. Okay. This was back in the seventies. And I was in, I was in Trumbull Park homes um, in, the, in the precinct there in Trumbull Park. And they were, they were going, he was walking in with, with every single voter. And I said to them, I said, God damn it, you got to stop. This. this is illegal. They're not allowed to do that. And I, and I said, you know, and they, they, they said, look, you've got to stop this. It's illegal. And he comes out of the booth. He, he, the person was in there voting. He comes out, he says to the police officers, they said police officers in polling places. He said, you know, you ought to arrest him. I said, arrest me. I said, he's the one that's stealing your the officer. And the guy says to me, he says, come on. Took me outside. He says, look, Clem, he says, you better get out of here. If I see you back here today, you're going to be arrested. I said, but he said, did you hear what I said? And I had to leave because I know if I stayed there, I was going to get arrested. And then I'm no good to anybody. But, you know, it was things like that. You know, that's how intimidating. And these were people that were officers that he had by and large gotten their, you know, gotten their jobs through him. So it was difficult at times, um, you know, but we survived it and we won some and we lost some. But, you know, that was, but it was, it was legendary, the fights, because we were fighting for what was right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was for people like Harold. And, and I have that. I'll just close by saying the, the fact that Sue Sedlowski guards the daughter, the aforementioned Eddie Sedlowski was victorious in 2015. Yep. I just, sometimes I just can't believe it. I, I'm like, that happened. You, you, you know that happened. Eddie Verdoliak was the alder. It was replaced by Sue Sadlowski Garza. Yep. I'm bowing off of Monroe. Sometimes I'd be like, "Damn, that is so wild, blowing now, my mind." A little, a little piece of history. You know, her father was the director of District 31 Steelworks and ran for the presidency. You know who the guy that ran the campaign was? Your uncle. My father. Your father. It <laughs> was some yeah. ballot off. Who's he? Who's he? Um, uh, and her brother, Little Eddie, and um, other a couple of Diane and um. Little Eddie, you know, man. All, all very close friends of mine when I was young. I'm a little older than they are, you know, but we, we remain close friends. I saw Sue just a, you know, a week or so ago. I talked to him the last few days. Um, we remain close friends, and you're right. Unbelievable. Said, yeah, I have a question. Your aunt in Indiana, you mentioned? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, does she do labor law? No, she she was, no, that, that's, that, I think that's Jimmy. Um, that's my cousin, Jim Balanoff and Rebecca. Balanoff, Rebecca Balanoff, you might know her. She's um was is was Carl Rosen's sister. And remember Lois Ann from the um Coalition on Public Utilities? That was her mother. But that's she's married to my cousin. They they're a law firm that does social Okay, but she she doesn't she's uh, has she written any books about um labor in Indiana? I, I think Lem froze and we have to head out anyway. I think his his screen froze. Yeah. Uh 
for oh, one of the problems. Uh, but uh, there's so many uh, Balinoffs, Monroe, uh, that, uh, and, and there was that uh, Gary Branch. All right. So listen, I want to thank uh, Clem Balinoff very much for taking time to come, come on the show. Uh, old friend of mine, of course, every Wednesday in the Ben Jarofsky show, Monroe Anderson, the pride and joy of Gary, Indiana. Monroe, uh, next week we'll come back. And I'm sure. My aunt- oh, here we go. Wait, hold it. Clem, you froze. Uh, uh, that's all right. We're, we have to close the show down anyway. It's, I was thanking you for being on the show, thanking Monroe for being on the show. And I'm going to put out some positive vibrations. If well, Sue Sedlowski Garza could get elected alderman in the 10th Ward, if she could replace the legacy <laughs> of Eddie Verdoliak, all right, if that can happen, Clem Balanoff, then the Democrats can hold on to the Senate and maybe even hold on. <laughs> Boy, I'm let's do it next Tuesday, November 8th. Everybody ought to get out and vote. That's all for right. sure. Let's put up those positive vibrations. Thank you very much, Clem. Thank you very much, Monroe. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of George Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Clem and Monroe will tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. And this D stands for the marvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. (laughs) 